Hello and welcome to the Chase Family Church podcast. Today we have Lauren Crook from Kingdom Living Ministries speaking to us on inheritance. If there's something that you want to grow in your relationship with God, if it's something that you want to see the power of God break out in your life, to see um, yourself walk in the lifestyle that you've always wanted to, I really want to encourage you to think about signing up for Kingdom Living Ministries. We are really, really passionate about equipping and training Christians to live and love like Jesus, to see miracles in your daily life, to um, to see you guys understand who God's made you to be, your identity in Christ, to grow in intimacy with him, to learn about prophecy and healing. We're very, very hands-on. So we teach and then we do. Um, and from there, you would have seen probably a lot of places that you recognize. We go out in the town every week. We go pray for people. Um, our heart is to extend what God is doing and... Um, to see Jesus be made known to everyone. And if you're interested, we run um, in-person and online courses. Our in-person meets here um, on a Thursday from 10 till half four. Um, And we also have online, which is uh, 7 till 9 p.m. on a Wednesday night. So if you're working full time or you can't do a Thursday, I'd encourage you to do online. There's loads of mission trips and ministry opportunities as well. Yeah, if you want to know more, come talk to me. I just really want to encourage people to sign up because not because I run it, but because I've done it and it has changed my life. Like I I can promise you doing a school like this, you're never the same. Um, If you want to ask people who have done it before, Rose is on our course. You might have seen her in there. It was mainly you walking, so it's mainly a bum, but you know. Looking great. Um, Julia is here. She's done it as well. If there's anyone that I've missed because I'm not properly looking around. Aiden over there in the back. Um, you can ask them because they'll tell you the truth about what it's like to be a student. Um, but yeah, anyway. So I'm really excited to be talking to you guys today. Um, and I'm going to be talking about inheritance. And um, oh, before I start though, very importantly, I should mention because it'll be the only time I can mention it this year that Tottenham are top of the league. Yes. Come on, hallelujah, woo okay, cool, okay, just, just what I had the chance, okay, so anyway, <clears throat> so let's get holy now, guys, come on, so I want to talk about inheritance, and I don't know what your understanding of um, earthly inheritance is, what um, kingdom inheritance is, um, but when I was writing this talk, God told me, get your, get your legal brain out and write down a definition of what inheritance is and so I I wrote down and I was like okay so it's to when we acquire goods um, finances a title um, lawfully given to a chosen recipient upon the death of the original owner and I've got a really interesting story when it comes to inheritance where in in the earthly sense I've not had a proper understanding of what inheritance is um, when, uh, when my first, uh, grandfather passed away in my mind, I'd had this idea of like, I would have this tangible thing that I would be able to like do something with or spend or whatever, but that wasn't what happened. And, and so I, I realized that what happened was I, I got this false idea of what inheritance was like, it's a real thing but it didn't belong to me. It wasn't something that I could use or spend or actually like take hold of. It existed. The way I describe it is like it's in the clouds, like it's there, but I have no access to it. And I remember when my second grandfather passed away and one day my my mum sent me a text and and she was like, oh, check your bank account. And she had put a thousand pounds in my bank account. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? And she was like, oh, it's it's from your granddad's inheritance. And I was just like, oh my goodness. But you don't actually get inheritance. It's just a thing. It's a thing that exists, but you don't actually get it. And I remember just being like, what am I going to do with it? Like, I, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with all this money. And, like, am I supposed to give it away? Am I supposed to do something nice? Like, am I supposed to save it and spend it on a week's worth of petrol? I don't know. Like, I, I was so kind of confused about this reality of now, 
owning something. And what I realized it did is when I was reading about inheritance in the Bible is that I had this really skewed understanding that when Jesus says that we inherit from him, that again, it was something that existed in the clouds, but it wasn't something I could physically take hold of or that I would ever have ownership of. It was just a nice idea. Something that, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. It's supposed to come to me and it sounds great, but, you know, I'm not actually going to get it. And God really challenged me about this idea of inheritance because he was like, well, what is inheritance? Which is why I wrote down um, this idea to acquire goods or finances or a title lawfully given to a chosen recipient upon death. And I realized inheritance is for now. Inheritance is something that I tangibly, physically own. Why? Because Jesus died. And what happens when someone dies? They give what they have to a chosen recipient. And the Bible tells me that I am that chosen recipient. You are that chosen recipient. And it's not something that is not going to come to you. It's already there in your bank account. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, it's actually in my bank. It's there. I have it. What do I want to do with it? And so then the next question was, well, what is it? What is my inheritance? What's this thing you're telling me I have? And if I'm supposed to do something with it, well, what is it? Well, in Matthew 25, verse 34, it says this. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So he's talking to you here because you guys are blessed of the Father. So um, you're all included. Hallelujah. Um, we are all included to receive this inheritance, which is the very kingdom of God. The kingdom that was created for you since before the world was even created. And what is the kingdom? Well, kingdom simply means the king's domain. It's the place where the king has rule and reign, the place that he owns, and God owns everything. Everything is under his domain, guys. Which means the kingdom of God is, means that everything is accessible to you. And when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, what did he do? He said the kingdom is here, the kingdom is now. And then he demonstrated that that was true by healing people, by speaking words of life over people, by casting out demons, by people getting saved and coming into the presence of God. That is the kingdom of God. And that is what you have inherited already. That is what is in your bank account today. And that's what we have access to. In Luke 15, um, it's the story of the prodigal son. And um, it's a, a pretty famous story. If you don't know it, it's about um, a son who said to his dad, look, you're not dead yet, but I want your money. Um, I want to go off and have a load of fun with it. So his dad graciously says, yeah, okay, you can have your inheritance now. He goes off and he squanders it all. Um, and he spends it badly and loses all of it. And he goes back to his father thinking, okay, if I grovel and if I serve him in that household, then maybe he'll accept me back. Because even like doing all those jobs is better than what's happening in my life right now. And so he goes back and the father embraces him and like lavishes love upon him and is just so pleased. He doesn't care. He doesn't care at all of what he's done. He's like, come back to me. He puts a robe on his back, a ring on his finger. He gives him new sandals. He's, everything he has is, is his son's and he's just so happy. He's like, celebrate. Everyone celebrate with me because my son is home. And the person that I identify the most within that story is the older brother who's there and they're throwing a party for his little brother. And he's there thinking, well, I've been here all along. And what do I get? I haven't got a party. I haven't got a fattened calf <laughs> to eat and to celebrate. What about me? 
And oftentimes, you know, if you've been a Christian for a long time or a Christian your whole life, we see people getting saved and then we see them do amazing things and think, well, that's not fair. I've been a Christian my whole life. How come they're seeing people get healed? How come they're going after this, this best life and seeing all the things they've ever dreamed of come true, but I'm not? What's up with that? And I've definitely been in that place, for sure. And what does the father say to him? The father says, child... Everything I have is yours. The reality is, is he was living as a slave and not as a son. He was in the father's house, but he wasn't living like everything belonged to him. See, we can live in the father's house and live with this inheritance that everything that God has belongs to us. But we can live as a slave. And that's what I was doing because I was like, I've got this inheritance, but, you know, who am I? I'm not going to spend it. It's not really for me. But he says, everything I have is yours. And so don't compare yourself, guys. Don't think, well, what's going on there? What's going on there? I think the reality is, is it's not that they have something you don't. It's that they are using what they have and you're not. Or they have the understanding and the revelation that they have it. Whereas the revelation is you already have it. In Ephesians uh, 1 verse 3, it says that we have been blessed in the spiritual realms with every spiritual blessing. If we work out the maths on that, that means that there's no blessing that you're without. It means that there's no blessing that the person on your left has that you don't have or the person on your right has that you don't have. There's no blessing that you don't have because you haven't read your Bible that day, you haven't worshipped enough, or you don't feel holy enough on that day. There is no blessing that you don't have. You already have everything. In Luke 12, verse 32, it says, The Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. He's happy about it. He's excited about it. And he wants to give you absolutely all of himself and everything that he has. You know, oneness, the idea of being one with God, was not some nice thing we concocted and gone, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we could actually have a relationship with God? No, it was the design of God from the very beginning. That was his design and his desire from the start that we would be one with him and share and live in everything that he has. It's not something nice that we can go, oh, wouldn't it be really nice if when I prayed for someone, something happened? Or wouldn't it be really nice if those desires of my heart um, would actually happen? You know, the things that I dream about, wouldn't it be nice if I could actually do them? And, you know, there's always going to be a reason why you can't do something. There's always going to be a reason. But when we realize that the kingdom belongs to us, why would you be afraid to step into it anymore? You know, whether that's um, money or whether that's time or whether it's sacrifice of something else, if God calls you to it, if God puts that desire on your heart, know that he's given you everything you need to do it, that he will work it out for his glory. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us, it is about him. And when we follow those desires of our heart that are God-given, it brings him glory. And it's not selfish of us to do it it's not arrogant of us to do it it's confident of us to do it to say I know that God has said this and I know he always comes through for me you guys are all here today because God has come through for you every time he has a 100% success record of coming through for you so why doubt that he will do it the next time you step out of your comfort zone A friend of mine calls the comfort zone the dead zone because he says that's where you never grow. And I was like, ouch, okay. I need to try and like, I don't want to stay there. I don't want to stay in a place where I'm not going to grow, where I'm not going to develop, where I'm not going to step into what God has for me. But what's really interesting, again, about inheritance, this whole idea of inheritance, is the kingdom version of inheritance is so different to what the world teaches us about inheritance. For example, I want you to have a little think. Think about someone you know, famous or not famous, who got a job because of who their parents are. 
society tells us to not like this person <laughs> or to not think it's okay. You know, oh, they only got it because of their parents. They don't actually deserve to be there. Uh, you know, and we don't like it. We want people to prove that they're good enough and to deserve and earn a position, a title, a job, anything, anything in life. The world tells us that we have to deserve it and earn it and work really hard for it. Otherwise, it's not fair. You know, I've worked for this. It's not fair. They get to walk in here and just come in and, and take it. And it reminds me of the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And basically what happened is a bunch of guys turned up. Don't know what time they used to start work then. Ooh, sounds horrible. I bet it's before 6 a.m. But let's say they turn up at 6 a.m. ready to work hard on the vineyard. A bunch more people turn up. It's 9 a.m. Eh, that's okay. They're a bit late, but they're working really hard. Some more people come along, they start working about midday, and then some more people come along at about 3 p.m. Let's say they finish at 5. What happens is they've all done their work, and the owner of the vineyard lines them all up, and he's like, here you go, here's your money for the day. And he gives the same amount to every single person. Let me tell you, if I was the one that had arrived at 6 a.m. and someone turned up at 3 p.m., and got the same amount of money as me, I would be angry. I would be really annoyed. I would like just be, this is so unjust, this is so unfair. And that's kind of like the whole older brother thing, isn't it? You know, you just turn up late, you know, you're how, you know, you've only just become a Christian and you get all this stuff. You turn up and you get the same thing as me. Well, that doesn't seem fair. And the reason we think that way is because the world teaches us to think that way. The world teaches you that you have to earn and work for absolutely everything in life. And if you don't, you don't deserve it. But you know what? The kingdom says it's not about what you could ever earn, deserve, work for. Jesus did it. It was never about anything we could do. And what a way off, honestly, when you get that revelation that it's not about anything you could ever do, what a relief. Because it's not about what your parents tell you you need to do or people are like, you should be doing this with your life. You should do this, 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 this. Jesus says, you don't need to do any of those things. I've done it for you. Yes, we get the privilege of like, living those desires of our heart but it's not to earn love or salvation or acceptance to deserve it and to work hard it's because we do it out of love for Jesus but that's the amazing thing he has already done it so let's think back to this person who got this job because of who their parents are and now I want you to think about imagine if you got a job because of who your parents are. How would you feel knowing everyone's looking at you, going, well, they only got that because they're parents? We're, we're kind of programmed by the world to respond in different ways. And I always think there's kind of two main ways that we would respond. The first one, is to work really, really hard to perform and to prove to people that you didn't just get it because of your parents, you do deserve to be there. And the second way is you would leave that and you go, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not having a job just because my parents got it for me. I'm going to start from the beginning and I'm going to prove to the world that I am good enough and I don't need them. And I don't need handouts from my parents. I can do it all on my own. And I don't know if you notice, they are almost exactly the same response, which is saying, I'm going to prove to everyone I deserve this place. I deserve it. And we live in that mindset every day where we feel we have to prove to the world, to ourselves, to our parents, to our friends, to the church, to whoever, that we deserve to be where we are, that we're good enough, that we deserve to be loved that we've worked hard enough to um, be blessed financially, that we have worked hard enough to deserve time with a person. 
And we spend our lives trying to earn something that's already been given to us. And we put that on God. And we say, I have to earn my way to receiving from God, to being loved by God. I have to prove, I have to perform to receive from God. And Jesus says, you're performing for something that you already own. You're working for something I've already given you because the kingdom is already in your bank account. But yet we live as if we have to tire ourselves out day by day to earn something from God. And instead of stepping into momentum that's actually given to us through inheritance, we try and start all over from the beginning because we're afraid to say, you know what? God's given this to me and I'm going to run with it. I don't have to live by the world's standards that says I don't get to stand on the shoulders of the person that's gone before me. And my heart, you know, talking about KLM and, and how we run things, my heart is that my students would stand on my shoulders. I know I'm not super tall and I, you know, but to stand on, to start here, to start at the, the ceiling, what was my ceiling would be their floor. I, I want them to start from an elevated place to not have to go through what I went through to get to where I am, but actually that's their starting point, that they would go above and beyond me of what you know we think is possible, of um, our dreams and our hopes for our lives, because I don't have to be afraid of people being better than me. And I'm a competitive person, right? So my natural is to be like, don't be better than me, I'm gonna win at everything. But, you know, when you are a Spurs fan, you do get humbled. So, um, but what I'm saying is, actually, we don't need to worry about position, performance in the kingdom of God. We get to say, actually, I want you to fly. I want you to do the, be the best version of yourself you could be every single day. And I want you to have the hopes and the desires of your heart. And because what? That doesn't mean that I don't get it. The world tells us that we are in a fight to get one position. You know, it's not like The Apprentice. I love The Apprentice. I just, yeah, it's my probably secret judgy uh, time. that I can be like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. I'm so much better than them. Um, but I love watching it. But it's such a demonstration of what the world teaches us, which is that we have to fight to get the one place that's available to get the money, to get the job, to get the approval. And you watch it, you, they are willing to do whatever it takes. They will backstab, they will throw people under the bus, they will say one thing to you to your face and then later on they'll say something else when they're in the boardroom fighting for their lives. And we live life like this. But in the kingdom, everybody wins. Or I say everybody wins, everyone has already won. And we are not fighting each other for one position. You know, just because so-and-so gets the job, it doesn't mean you don't get the job. Just because your friend gets blessed doesn't mean you're not going to get blessed. And we, I don't know if you've noticed this, because I've done it before, where I've been like, oh man, they've, they've seen all this amazing stuff. And I kind of relate it in my head that, well, if they're going to get it, that means I don't get it. Because again, the world tells us it's only one. It's only one, guys, but the kingdom says, come, everything I have is yours. It belongs to all of us. And this inheritance that we've received, it will allow us to accomplish more than we ever dreamed of doing. And it's not about what you've done, it is about who you are. Because you're a son, you're a daughter. And on, on the death of Jesus, you received everything. You received the kingdom of God. You received everything that that contains. Signs and wonders, the ability to love unrivaled, to live excellently in our lives, to have um, freedom over fear, to receive healing, like whatever it might be, that's something that you have received. And I want you to think about what are the things that I, I dream for? Because, you know, I always say dream big. If you can picture it in your mind doing it on your own, it's not big enough because then it doesn't contain God. 
If it contains God, it will be so big that you're like, I have no idea how that would ever happen. But, you know, I dream so big. You know what I want to see for Enfield? I want to see that Enfield Chase Hospital closes down because there's no need for it because everyone's getting healed. I want to see that actually there's no homelessness in our streets because people have so graciously taken people in and given of themselves to love and look after our community. I want to see that we don't have to have community support officers or barely any police officers because crime in this area is so low, famously low, the lowest crime rate in the country because people are getting saved and they're not wanting to do those things anymore. When we read about um, this amazing revival that happened in Wales um, a long time ago with a guy called Evan Roberts, um, if you read about it, guys, it is like nothing you've ever heard. All of the pubs, all of the bars stopped basically being pubs. They became small groups. People would just walk in and be like, oh, what are we studying today? And everyone just want, like, they weren't getting drunk anymore. Um, the police, this one's a funny one, the police horses didn't respond to them anymore because they were all trained with foul language. And so when they stopped swearing, the police horses were like, don't know what you're saying um, and they they like couldn't look after them anymore and um, the national football team they had no national football team because the football team didn't want to go to practice anymore because they wanted to go to discipleship training I mean how incredible is that imagine our football team being like actually I don't want to train I don't care about all that money I don't want to do this all I want to do is seek Jesus all I want to do is learn more about Jesus about this man like, it feels impossible, but this is the reality that once existed. And we think none of this could ever happen. But Jesus says, I've already put it in your bank account. How are you going to spend your inheritance? What do you want to see? Because I believe we can go after it. So what is your heart? Is your heart that you want to see education transformed? You want to see um, godly wisdom coming into our education. You want to see integrity come into our government. You want to see um, healing happening, that um, people with mental health are getting totally healed and transformed. You want to see that people are no longer born with any kind of deformity or sickness or whatever it might be. What is your hope? What is that thing in you that drives you? Because God has already given you everything you need to go after it but the world tells you that you're not enough because you've got to earn it and deserve it. But Jesus says, don't you worry about it, I've already done it. It's not about anything you could do. When we look at Numbers 13, this is a story about when um, uh, they, they scout out the promised land. So they've been walking through the wilderness for 40 years and they finally got to seeing the promised land. And they send a bunch of people out to say, go and have a look and tell me what you see. And they come back and there are two different reports. One, one group of guys are like, um, it looks really good, guys. I mean, it's lush, there's fruit, there's honey, it looks great, we need to go in and go live there. And then there's another group of people that are like, yeah, 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 those things are great. But there are these giants, and they're really scary. And mm, we need to stay away. Like, do not go there. You know, the reality is, is that God had promised these people this land. He had said to them, go and take inheritance or, you know, take this land for yourself. And he puts fruit there to show you that it's good soil. He puts fruit there to show you that it is the place that he has given to you. But what do we do? We focus on the giants and say, no, I, we can't go there. Even though God already said, you're going to have this land. He already promised it to you. He already promised it to us. But we see a giant and we think, no, I can't do that. But we need to be so um, overwhelmed by the fruit that we see and the promise of God because there will always be giants. But we need to be so firm and confident that God has said this belongs to you 
that you're not afraid of the giant anymore, that we are not afraid to say, yeah, there's going to be some giants, but don't worry about them because there's fruit there. And God has promised us this land and he's promised us fruit. And there are times in our life where we have to silence ourselves to the voices that talk about the giants. And that might be yourself. It might be you that's talking about the giants. It may be your friend that's talking about the giants. and says, oh, no, you can't do that because of this. Oh, no, but this will be really hard. Oh, don't do that. Yeah, it looks really good from the outside, but, you know, you'll have to overcome this. Well, you know what God says? We are overcomers. So we don't have to worry when we see a giant. We say, well, God's promised this to me. It's my inheritance, so you need to get gone right now. Because he also said that we would cast out demons. So anything that's not of God in what God has promised to you, he's already given you the power to overcome and to get rid of it. So we don't need to be held by fear anymore in the promises of God, in the inheritance of God. If it's a promise he's given to you, then um, you're ready for it. So my... My main question to you guys is, if you really do have this inheritance in your bank account, how do you want to spend it? If it's really true that your bank account is literally like overflowing with the kingdom of God, how do you want to spend it? Because it means nothing if it just sits there. Because you can have it. You already do have it. But if it just sits there, it's absolutely pointless. Money is only like has worth when we use it. We have to actively say, I'm going to start taking some of this out. I'm going to start spending it. I'm going to write a check. I'm going to, you know, do something with it. And so my question is, if you have the kingdom of God living inside of you, if you have every spiritual blessing, if that's true, if what the Bible says is true, and I kind of believe that it is, if it is true, what are you going to do with that? Because it's not enough anymore to just sit on it. Because I've told you now, so you know it's there. So now you have the option to just leave it there, and you can if you want to but you now also have the option to spend it. And what do you want to spend it on? What do you want to see happen? How do you want God to use you? What are the desires, the God-given desires in your heart? You know, I don't care how much money you have, how old or young you are, what your background might be, all totally irrelevant to God. Because he's like, yeah, don't worry about that. I've already given it to you. You know, even with finances, God always comes through. Always. When I needed to buy my season ticket this year for Spurs, I was like, oh, that's a lot of money that I don't have. And I said to God, okay, well, I need to pay it by the end of April and I need £600 more. So you've got until the end of April... I look forward to seeing how you get it to me. That was genuinely my prayer. I was like, okay, cool. Well, you've got to the end of April. Be creative, God. Like, I'm excited to see how you're going to do it. Um, and a week before the end of April, the money, uh, £550 came into my bank account. And I remember running into my housemates. He's given me the money. He's given me the money. I don't know why I was surprised because he always gives me the money if I've asked for it. And then someone else gave me £50. So that was it, £600. And you know how irrelevant that is, a season ticket? You're like, it feels like nothing, right? Like, well, why would he give you money for a season ticket when you could do much holier things with it? But God cares about what I care about. He cares about the things that bring me joy. He cares about the things in my life that exhilarate me. And, you know, I spend so much time with my family at football. We go together. It's a really important time for me of spending time with my brother and my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. And that's really special to me. If God can give me money for a season ticket, I'm pretty sure he can give you money for the desires and the hopes of your heart. And I remember another time um, we were 
going out for a carvery. And uh, one of my friends was like, oh, I, I'm not going to be able to come because um, I haven't got any money. And immediately I'm like, oh, well, it's like a tenner. I was like, oh, thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'll, I'll pay for her. And then what happened immediately that the enemy came in and was like, Lauren, you don't have any spare money, not even 10 pounds. Like, you don't have spare cash right now. And so I waited like two hours to message her while I like worked through this lie that, and I was like, 10 pounds? What, I don't think God can give me 10 pounds. Like, what are you stressing about, Lauren? And so I messaged her and said, don't worry, I'm gonna pay for you. And the next day we went out to the carvery and she turned up and she was like, oh, actually my mum my gave me a tenner, so you don't need to pay for me. I was like, oh, great. So I didn't even have to pay it, but I, God was working on my heart. What happened that day, I checked my bank account and someone had put a thousand pounds in my bank account as a gift. I was like, now that is a hundredfold. Like, as soon as God was like, are you willing to step out and give us something you think you don't have? He will give it back and he will do it a hundredfold because he is a God of abundance. He doesn't just get us by like he wants us to live the full reality of what he's created for you. And so, yeah, I don't care whether you need 10 pounds, 600 pounds, 100 grand, like God makes it work. There's a guy in America and he runs this big ministry and they have to like, they run these campaigns that like, they need like say five million or something and they'll get really close to the date it'll be like a month before and they'll be like oh my goodness we've only got two million we've got three million more to raise what are we going to do what are we going to do and the guy that runs the ministry just walks in and he says oh we're really short are we right give away the two million just give it away and then we'll get the money so they just give away the money that they've already got and then the five million comes in and the people that work there are always like, we're so nervous whenever he comes in because he's going to just tell us to give all the money away that we've like worked really hard to like get. But actually, there's a principle that we don't have to work for it, that God will bring it. Yes, there may be things you need to do. <laughs> and it doesn't mean we all just sit on our sofa and do nothing and God just works it all. We do have to partner with him. But we do it in faith, knowing God provides and he fills in the gap every time every single time. There was a girl at church the other day, um, a couple of months ago, and I saw her and I, I was like, oh, I really wanna pray for her. She's not, I've not seen her before, she looks new. And um, the reality was it got to the end of the service and I was like, oh, I'm really hungry and it's nap time. I just wanna go home, have a nap, have my lunch, and that's it. And so I was not intent on praying for her. I'm only telling you that bit so you know how real, like it's not all, woo everything's really easy. I wanna do everything all the time. I was ready for my nap. Um, but a friend of mine was like, oh, we should go and pray for that girl. Let's go and pray for that girl. I was like, okay, fine. And that friend never made it, by the way. So God was setting me up, he knew. So I was like, okay. And I went and spoke to her and I was like, oh, how are you doing? You know, I've not seen you here before. And as we're just chatting away, God, gives me this revelation about her life and he starts telling me about all this trauma that she's gone through and how he's gonna use that trauma to bring, uh, to help her so that she can help people who've gone through the same thing. Sorry. Um, and, and normally if I've just met someone, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't normally give a really heavy word that's like, oh, I've just met you, let me tell you about all your life problems. Um, I would normally like tell them something a bit more encouraging. I mean, it is encouraging, but it's still hard to hear. But Holy Spirit's like, no, Lauren, you need to talk to her. So I said, okay, fine. So I shared this word, and as I said it, afterwards she just starts crying. She's like, how do you know all this stuff about my life? And I'm like, Jesus knows all this stuff about your life. He's the one who knows you. He's the one who sees you, and he's the one that brings glory out of brokenness. And um, and then I remember, oh, I should probably ask her if she's a Christian or not. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, you normally start with that. So I was like, oh, do you have any faith at all? She's like, no, um, I'm not a Christian, but I'm spiritual. I was thinking, oh, I know what that means. 
So I was like, oh, do you go for like psychic readings and stuff? Is that something like you really enjoy doing? She's like, yeah, I do that all the time. I love it. And then this like holy boldness came over me and I was like, have you ever had a psychic word that was as accurate as the word that I just gave you? She's like, no, I haven't. No, they're always a bit wishy-washy. That was like, I've never heard anything like that. And I was like, well, when God talks to you, he speaks accurately because he really knows you. Holy Spirit is the best spirit. Don't worry about all those other spirits. They're all rubbish. They're all junk. We don't want to talk to them. We want to talk to Holy Spirit. And I start going really strong on this whole thing, which, again, is something I don't normally do. But obviously, Holy Spirit's like, talk to her about Holy Spirit and, and all of this. So I'm like, yeah, this is great. And I say to her, well, you know what? God always shows up, doesn't he? God always uh, shows himself to those that want to see him because he's just proved himself to you that he's real by giving you this word. How else would I know this about your life? And then I'm like, oh, I'll show you something else because God's going to show up for you right now. Are you sick? Do you have pain in your body? She's like, yeah, I've got a really bad back. And I'm like, great. Well, God's going to heal you today to show you that he's real. And I'm inside going, Lauren, what are you doing? stop saying these things and I'm like okay I'm gonna pray for you I'm put my hand on her and out loud I'm saying thank you God you're gonna heal her because you love her so much thank you you're gonna show her that you're real by healing her right now and inside I'm like Lauren stop what are you doing I feel like I'm setting myself up that if this girl doesn't get healed I'm basically saying God's not real because I've, I've put it out there like so blatantly and so inside I'm like Lord please please do this but out loud, I'm very confident. Anyway, I'm like, so, okay, I prayed for you. Do you feel any better? How are you feeling? Uh, a little, mm, I don't know. I'm like, that's fine. I'm going to pray again. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to get healed. And like, please, Jesus, come on. Um, and I prayed for her two or three times, and, and she got totally healed. And it was incredible. She starts crying, and she's like, no, but you don't understand. I've had this my whole life. And I'm like, yeah, but Jesus is better and stronger and more gracious and more powerful than anything else you could ever go to or run to. Always go for Jesus. And um, yeah, she was just really moved. And I said, you know, do you want to meet this man that's just healed you? And she's like, oh, I don't know. Um, hmm, I don't know. That sounds really scary. And I was like, well, you know what? There's no pressure. You've come with your friend here today. You can go talk to your friend. If you've got questions about what's just happened, go talk to your friend. I'm sure that she'd be really excited to talk to you about it. And that was kind of it. And she left, and then her friend messaged me later that day, being like, Lauren, you have no idea what just happened. And I'm like, well, I, I have some idea. I was there. It was very cool. And I'm like, also just like, wow, God, thank you so much for using me. That's so cool. Um, but she texts me and she goes, yeah, no, seriously, you have no idea what just happened because that girl you prayed for, she's a witch. And I was like, oh, that's why I went so heavy on the spirit stuff. <laughs> Don't go to those people. Go to Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, oh, that's really, really cool. And she's a Reiki healer and stuff. And I was like, well, I mean, like she's, you know, had something her whole life and not got healed. Come to Jesus, she gets healed. I'm like, mm, just saying. Anyway, she came the next week. And um, I was like, oh, where are you at on your journey with Jesus? And she still wasn't at a point where she felt like she wanted to give her life. I'm like, that's okay. And we're just chatting away. And it seems to me when I talk to her, I get this boldness come over me that I wouldn't normally. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to go out for a cigarette. Do you want to never smoke again? <laughs> I'm like, Lauren, what are you doing? Anyway, I'm like, if I pray for you, you're never going to want to smoke again. Jesus. Anyway, so I pray, and she's like, yeah, yeah, all right. I'm like, okay, I pray for her. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to go out and have my cigarette now. I was like, okay, cool, that's fine. Um, and then she comes straight back in, and she's like, oh, I don't have any filters. And I'm like, that's Jesus saying, don't smoke anymore. I don't know if she's still smoking. But, um, yeah, just this confidence that God's going to do what he says he's going to do if I put myself out there and create a gap for him, that he will come through. And um, I, I was sharing a message in, in another church and I was actually sharing this story about her. And I found out later that almost at the exact time that I would have been saying it because I've been saying the whole time, God's going to get her. She's going to get got. Like, it's just, gonna, it's just a matter of time. And I found out that probably at the time that I was preaching, she gave her life to Jesus. 
And she just broke down in the middle of worship and was like, he loves me, he loves me. And just had this radical encounter with God. And, you know, there's no one that's too far from God. But I knew what was in my bank account. I knew that healing for someone was in my bank account because God had told me I'd already, I had inherited it. So I could say to her, if I pray for you, I believe you're going to get healed. And yes, there are people, by the way, that I pray for that haven't been healed immediately as I've been there. But you know, no one's going to get healed if I don't pray for anyone. So I'm just going to go with confidence every single time that if God said they're going to get healed, I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to believe they're going to get healed. If God said that we're going to prophesy, then I believe that what I hear in my mind is the word of God and that if I share it, it's going to impact people's lives. And so, you know, God is saying today, what do you already have in your bank account? Everything, the kingdom of God, and how do you want to spend it? Because I spent it that day by saying, God's going to heal you. I spent it by praying for someone. So how do you want to spend the kingdom of God that is in your bank account today? It's a bit of a big question, but be creative. Think big, because it is all possible. And we all get to live in this time where the world really needs Jesus. Really, really needs Jesus. And you know the world is crying out for Jesus because everyone is searching. Everyone wants to know what is truth. Other than Jesus, I don't even know what is truth anymore. You know, I could read, um, I could read something in the paper that tells me one thing and look in another paper that will tell me the exact opposite. What is true? Which one's right? I don't even know. The only thing I know that's true is Jesus. And the world is hungry for truth, and the world is hungry for an encounter with something that is real. That's why there's so many spiritualists out there, because they're desperate for an encounter with God. I don't need to be afraid that they're a spiritualist. Actually, I'm like, that's exciting, because I know you're already seeking, that you're open to it. So, yeah, I'm gonna, I want to pray for us, because I believe that we, are, we have all received this in, incredible inheritance from Jesus, and... I want to empower you to believe for what's possible. Yeah, so let's pray. Let's, um, why don't we stand up, actually? So, yeah, uh, Jesus, I thank you that when you died for us, we were the chosen recipient to receive from you everything that you have. That when the Father speaks and says, um, everything I have is yours, I pray that you give us the revelation this morning that we do already have it, that every spiritual blessing is ours. I pray that you take away complacency from us this morning. I pray that you take away bitterness and comparison this morning, that we look at other people and say, they have what I don't, but that we have that revelation and that understanding this morning that we already have everything because of God and not anything we could ever do. Help us this morning to stop trying to deserve and earn and prove ourselves to you, Jesus, for something you've already given to us. I thank you that it's your grace and it's your goodness and it's your kindness. And I thank you for the weight lifted that it really is not about us. So this morning, help us to dream big, Jesus. Help us to see things that we think aren't possible, but you know are possible because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Show us what's possible with you today. Lord, I pray that you would reignite dreams and desires that you've given to us, that we've, we've put to the side because we think, oh, that's not possible. I could never do that. Who am I? I'm not good enough. I don't have the resources, whatever it might be. There's always going to be a reason to not do something. But God says today is the day. I pray, God, that you reignite those dreams, that you give us confidence and boldness to step into the calling and the purposes that you have for us. And I thank you, God, that you never called us to do it alone. You've always said, come, run with me. I will give you everything you need. I will fill in the gaps. Just give me space. 
God, would you inconvenience our lives today? Would you help us to give you space to do what only you can do? And if there are any giants that you're seeing in the land that God's given to you that are making you afraid, I pray that that fear be gone in the name of Jesus, that you would know that you are an overcomer, that that is the promise and the inheritance that God has for you and that nothing would stop you from stepping into it because you have been made to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony of God. You already have everything that you need inside of you. You have been blessed in the heavenly places with every single spiritual blessing. Everything that belongs to God belongs to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if there's anyone in this room this morning who, you know, you're hearing this message and you're like, well, I don't, I don't know Jesus yet. I haven't given my life to Jesus. I haven't made a decision to say, yeah, I want to follow this man. Everything that I've spoken about can be yours right now. Because it happens in an instant. As soon as we say yes to him, life in fullness and abundance becomes ours. And so if that is you this morning, if you've come here and you're, you're not sure, but you're thinking, yeah, no, I, I want to say yes to Jesus. You know, while we've got our eyes closed, I just want to encourage you to put your hand up this morning. No one's going to see you, but we just want to be praying for you. We want to bless you. We want to stand with you as you say yes today. So if that's you, I just want to encourage you while we've got our eyes closed, just to put your hand up and say yes to him this morning. Yeah, don't be afraid. This is a really safe place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And as we we, um, just go into a place of worship, let us remind ourselves of everything that he's done. And if you um, just feel in your heart, yeah, this is something I've really struggled with. This is something that I, I'm so desperate for, I'm so longing for. And my heart says yes, but uh, it just feels too hard. 